Time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jar Jar, call me. My main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey! This is escape, then we're the pod. Get the Hey, and welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we got Diego back in the house again to uh, review uh, an article that I found online called uh, Top 7 Most Debatable Star Wars Topics, I guess. Um, it, it was a article I found through the StarWars.com blog, and uh, I believe it was published in 2015. So uh, we talk about those things uh, on the list. And uh, we just have some fun, uh, you know, giving our opinion and uh, debating uh, things like midi-chlorians and uh, who shot first and uh, all the big solid debates that have been in existence uh, for ages now from what it feels like. Uh, so yeah, uh, we actually talked about it so long that we had to make this uh, a solid single episode intentionally we were planning on watching some clone wars and just didn't end up getting around to it so uh yeah let's let's go meet up diego and and chat all about these highly debatable topics <laughs> all right let's get down there Another happy landing. Thank you again, Diego, for coming back on Star Wars Escape Pod. No problem, man. Glad to be back. Yeah. So we found an, a cool article here about Very, seven, uh, seven most debatable topics that fans typically argue about. What's it called? Seven, seven topics Star Wars fans love to debate. About. Yeah. Okay. Some of them are kind of, you know one-sided and you know there's a definite answer some of them could spend hours talking about it oh yeah for sure yeah yeah so the first one on our list here han and greedo oh my now, goodness oh my goodness this, kind is, this of, is it this kind is the of, one that drives people absolutely kind of self-explanatory if you ask me all you got to do is go on youtube there is a video of all the releases they show you the original 1977 one where we see we don't even see a blaster shot in the original. If you look it up, uh, they're in the cantina. They're just talking. And then Greedo just kind of gets blown up after Han Solo says, I'll bet you have. And then he just kind of, he just engulfs into flames in the other ones. Um, I think the next one was 97. Excuse me. The 97 one was, uh, we see Greedo take a shot. And then, like, just like this is slow down. Just after hit, uh, Greedo shot hits the wall, uh, Han Solo immediately fires. The twin two thousand four release, we see, we see them both kind of fire at the same time. But after Han Solo shot hits Greedo, Greedo fires one more as he's like kind of going down, 
And then kind of the same thing with the Blu-ray edition from 2011. But yeah, so this So basically yeah. in the original and and there's like a solid two frames before this happens. Yeah. But if you watch that video with with all four of them pieced together and you stop on the right frame, there is a bit of a two frame gap where you see Greedo, just like the 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 explosive dummy version. Like the guy's not in the costume anymore and he's it's just like a I guess a a costume rig to blow kind of thing. Yeah. They've got explosives packed in the chest, I, I would imagine, of some kind. And or pyro pyro effects of some kind. Mm-hmm. And for those two frames, he's just kind of stationary. <laughs> His arm is just like reaching out a little bit, like a you know, like Slender Man or something like that. And uh and then and then you see just a big explosion. So so we assume that Han, you know, shot him in the chest, underneath the table somehow and uh and that was that that was the end of Greedo and then the next thing you'd know is he's slumping on the table and boom he's getting up you know he's tossing the bar keeper his coin uh and in every other version we see that other perspective from the side of the table where Greedo has his gun pointed over and Greedo shoots first every single time yeah shoots first like a fraction of a second faster and and there's a few frames of like difference when it starts in every single version of the re-releases. So in the VHS special edition, in the DVD special edition, in the Blu-ray final edition, yeah, <laughs> which is the one that you'll get on digital, is the one that you'll find on Disney Plus. Um, it's it's all the same. It's it's Greedo shoots first, Han shoots slightly after, and uh, he cocks his head a little bit. Not that he avoids the the blaster bolt complete it's not that he avoids it by moving his head that quickly like he just kind of like instant reaction you know tilts his head a little bit you know it's a delayed reaction it's a delayed reaction is what it is so it's not like he is like insanely skilled that he's able to move his head to the right and avoid a blaster bolt like no way no he's just he's just uh you know he's just responding to the shot that came at his face and uh but you know he gets the he gets the the shot um, but I guess a lot of, so what it says here on the website, uh, this is the starwars.com blogspot site. If they wrote an article on this, let's just read it out. Han shot first, Greta shot first. Han was the only one who shot. Pick a side. Uh, the unfortunate event that transpired in the Mos Eisley cantina comes up within fandom and even with people who don't consider themselves to be Star Wars fans. And even though the answer is out there, it's presented in a couple of different ways. So it depends on your certain point of view. And this is key here, a certain point of view. Um, you know, this is, this is key through almost anything in Star Wars. It's all, it's all, it's all very, it's like an open statement of saying like, hey, whatever you believe is kind of like what you want to believe. It's and all a matter of your own opinion. It's all a matter of your, yeah, it's all a yeah. matter of your own opinion. And, and that's the advice that, that, you know, that Luke gets as well. But yeah, um, but uh, yeah, we, we get. You know, in the special editions, I find it funny that we get a different point of view, a different camera view. Like, you know, literally, it's a different perspective of like what is actually going on. Um, and the perspective that we have from the original doesn't, is you can't even see it. Like with all the pyrotechnics going on, you can't even see Greedo let one off if he even did, right? Um, so, you know, what if he did let one off? back then in 70 in 77 and nobody saw it right yeah but i mean with technology now like like we just saw they they show you four frames of each 
release and you can clearly see in the original 77 one uh he says i'll bet you have and then we just we don't when it's slowed down it doesn't even look like there's a blaster shot it's just greedo just kind of blows up blows right? up yeah. and yeah, totally. pyrotechnics go off and then he just you know he falls down and then that's it mm -hmm. that's kind of what we see but in fact if you were to go even super, super more accurate in the original original release did you notice the hand, the hand that i mentioned you know the hand the, the hand that he had out reached out over the table the slender man style it was the pyrotechnic dummy mm -hmm. he didn't even have a blaster in his hand mm -hmm. yeah so i mean technically if you were to go original to the core he's essentially just killing an unarmed man <laughs> pretty much so it's like pretty you know <laughs> do you want to make han a cold-blooded killer like that or uh is it true that greedo shot first and han shot slightly after and you know defended himself i, I don't know if there there's there's a, there's a huge debate on this but definitely um what do you think is the what would what do you think is like the best because obviously george wanted us to see with the blu-rays his final edit that was his final edit to the films. It was his last changes that he made. And he didn't change the very debatable topic for over 15 years on whether or not, or about 15 years on like whether or not this should be a thing. Mm -hmm. So he didn't change it. He was adamant about keeping it. Uh, what do you think about this scene? Uh, in my opinion, 100% Greedo shot first. However... As, there's like you don't you obviously won't notice it that well whilst you're watching the movie but you if you slow it down you can clearly see greedo fires one off and as his shot is on his way to towards han solo han blasts him and then you kind of see like greedo gets shot and then as he's kind of going down his blaster uh fires off another one so my opinion, definitely Greedo shot first, 100%. Now, do you want Greedo to shoot first? That's the other thing I want to ask. Do I want him to shoot first? Yeah. Like, are you cool with him shooting first in this, in this, in the, the last release? That's what I, that's what my eyes see. So yeah, I would say I'm okay with that. Okay. That's, that's how so I see it. So for, for you yeah. then, cause I've heard this before, is that for a lot of people, it changes the whole way they look at the movie. It changes like, you know, the, the character of Han being this cocky gunslinger guy that he's the second to shoot like it's just less awesome for a lot of people to watch the movie and also because like they they hate seeing that it's been changed since the way that they used to know it but yeah for so many people now and since the the 90s you know greedo has been shooting first so i mean we're talking about like the old school fans here uh but mm -hmm. for a lot of them they're pretty upset about it so what like what would you say to them uh i mean I don't know. I I can't really think of what to say to them. I mean, they're you see you see. In my opinion, I I've seen some old school guys where they're very in their ways and they're like, no, it's just it wasn't even a shot. It's just the original. It's just pyrotechnics, which is true. We just saw it. Uh, and then you might have the guys who are like, yeah, but you know, I like to see I like to see all these you know edits and developments and I'll, I'll go with it go with the time sort of thing sort of uh mentality of thinking which is cool but um i don't know like like we said earlier i really do think it's up to the person watching the movie and how they want to view it yeah uh, much like all the other star wars movies mm -hmm. um, 
it's yeah yeah you know for me like it doesn't this whole thing it just doesn't bother me what bothers no, me what bothers me is that other people have a problem with it yeah because like it's just so it's, it's so minuscule so i it's, mean yeah. like hey like han wins yeah. like either way han's the one that's still standing exactly. up at the table at the end of the day exactly. like it doesn't you know it doesn't you know, matter who shot first like it's such a minuscule point in that movie it's it's just it's so nothing it's, oh yeah it's, it's for just sure. an argument like with no it really yeah. doesn't bother me and, and yeah. like it like han's not by any means like my favorite character but like he he does you know i like to think that like yes it would be cool if he got the draw on him and shoot him before greedo even squeezes one off but at the same time for me a it doesn't ruin the movie that it's been changed so uh, many times so many times uh b like i think uh how this is the way that george wanted us to see it like that's that's a big reason on its own like he's changed it so many times and he's never changed it away from what he's already known to be a very debatable scene yeah um and then you know lastly uh i don't think it majorly affects the character of han solo like i don't think this is a a game-changing moment for his character uh <laughs> you know what i mean like uh, you know yeah. if he whether he kills a guy straight up before he squeezes one off or not i mean i'm sure it's happened before uh i'm sure he's killed a guy before he can get a shot on i'm pretty sure in solo they did do some fan service to that but uh you know just talking about this scene and and excluding solo from the debate uh yeah i don't think it ruins the movie not at um, all. No. So no. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm killing this one off the debatable list here. Yeah. But, um, okay. Second one up. Uh, what do we got? Mini chlorines. Want to oh, read that wow. off? Yeah. That's a, that's a hot topic. That's a big hot topic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the article says mini chlorines were introduced into Star Wars canon in The Phantom Menace. The fact that their canon doesn't stop fans from talking about the point of mini chlorine levels, how they affect Force users, and why they weren't mentioned in the original trilogy. Now, uh, all of that is true, but again, for for me at least, that like I saw episodes four, five, six first, and then I watched the prequels. Mm-hmm. Well, for us, like yeah. growing up, that's mostly what was there. Yeah, I mean, until we were about four or five, then the Phantom Menace was kind of a thing. Well, yeah, but we were just still, you know, four or five. You don't understand anything no, that goes yeah, on totally in the movie, not. No, right? But so, I mean we were exposed to Star Wars before Yes. before mini chlorians were there. Definitely. <laughs> in the in the canon, you know. Definitely. Yeah. And and the way the way I've kind of my point of view on this argument is kind of like okay, the prequels they speak about mini chlorians force levels how how they affect every user blah blah blah. Okay, cool. Now the originals we never had that. The way I see it, Order 66 comes along in Revenge of the Sith, Jedi start dying. This ancient mentality, this ancient way of thinking, just this uh, lifestyle, whatever have you, is dying. And in episode four, it is pretty much dead. What mm-hmm. do we have? Luke and Vader and Palpatine. That's it. We don't have anything else. By those films, any sort of knowledge, the way I see it now, any sort of knowledge of midichlorians or the old Republic or any of the old Jedi ways besides Yoda uh, is kind of washed out the window. We don't, we, we don't, we don't get it. Right. So yes, they were made before and yes, 
I can see where some people are like, oh, it doesn't make sense because it was made after, but there's nothing you can do about it because they were made after the fact. So I, the way I've come to kind of come to terms with it is I think that Lucas kind of did this intentionally. I don't know if this is how he did it, but in my eyes, I think he did it to make it like what I just said, where in the prequels you have all these uh, traditions, let's just say, that are, you know, set in stone. But as soon as Order 66 comes along, people start dying and stuff. In the originals, we don't have that because all that has just, it's been destroyed, you know? Like, it's gone. So, really the only person who would know about it would be Yoda. But perhaps, perhaps guilt, perhaps the pain of, of all that. Maybe he didn't want to explain it to Luke. Whatever, that's another way of mm -hmm. looking at it. But, again, for me, not not a uh not a big thing no yeah. i think um i think midi chlorians are okay first of all i'm on the side of the fence that is actually like very much pro midi chlorian and and hear me out because uh, you know a lot of the old fans hate it because it gives reason to the force almost to to exist in a jedi mm -hmm. now i've heard the argument about how before we had midi chlorians as a thing uh, a lot of fans were under the impression that anybody could be a Jedi. And and this is not the case. It wasn't the case back in 1977. It's not the case now. Um, you know, there's a quote from Obi-Wan Kenobi about how Vader, uh, you know, Vader helped the Emperor hunt down and, or uh, what, what is it again? He said, uh, uh, a young pupil of mine named Darth Vader helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Order, you know, so yeah. it says something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. So if, if there's a Jedi Order, there's a code, there's a whole thing going on, like how come everyone's not freaking a part of it, right? Yeah. Like, like why, if it's wiped out, why doesn't somebody just start it back up again? If it's so easy for someone to learn the Force because they have the ability to use it, why is there an issue and 20 years of no like hardly any Jedi presence in the galaxy. And as far as we know, back in 1977, when we when we got, you know, Ben Kenobi teaching Luke the ways of the force, and then in Empire, we had Yoda. Uh, like, how come the Jedi are so scarce, right? If, if the force can be in everything and everybody without the ability to use it physically uh, through midi-chlorians, like how come there aren't more Jedi just popping up around the galaxy, you know, using their powers to fight evil, kind of like superheroes, right? Like in Marvel, we get so many, so many, or in DC comics, like we get, you know, these people with abilities that just kind of use them for the good of mankind. So like why in Star Wars, is it a thing to, if you have the force, um, you know, you're, you're naturally either going to be accepted in the Jedi order or until the dark times where you might have the force and you might just, you know, be unaware of its presence in your life kind of thing. But like, you know what I mean? Like, like the, the midi-chlorians really kind of add this element of uniqueness and like uh, almost uh, destiny to these characters, like to these Jedi. Um, they uh, also, if you start talking about the will of the force, which is a huge thing through Star Wars, there, the will of the force is, is, it's like a conscience. You know, there's a there's a conscience behind the force and the will is is brought upon by the wills of the force and the wills of the force are these beings and these these people 
of some kind. They're they're like these uh, mystical creatures or or whatever. And we we haven't really like got a whole lot about these wills. But in the Clone Wars, they do go on about uh, these priestesses, which uh, these priestesses from the beyond that kind of teach uh, Jedi. Uh, specific Jedi only um, and how to become immortal kind of thing to live after death and uh, that in itself is a gift but that's also brought upon by the wills uh, the wills are the ones that that uh, you know enabled the chosen one to be a thing like the wills are behind everything it's almost like this this unstoppable force that uh, <laughs> an unstoppable force that that whatever you do you're never going to change the will of the force no matter what like there it's like it's like trying to escape god's wrath it's just not going to happen like like if it's if it's going to happen it's going to happen and and if uh if obi-wan and qui-gon and anakin and luke they're destined to to be able to use the force uh naturally there's got to be some sort of biological connection from a person to this mystical energy field so what's the key right what's the bridge um and that is the midi-chlorian. The midi-chlorians is what enable a Jedi to use the force practically. Now Yoda says that the force is in all living things, which is true. Like it's, it's, it's a force that flows through everything and binds the galaxy together. Mm -hmm. But it's the midi-chlorians in a Jedi that enable them to use powers like telekinetic powers, telepathic powers, um, psychosis, uh, you know, leaping tall buildings and a single bound, like, you know, force jumping and um, being able to use it practically, uh, sensing things, all that stuff. It's the things that are supernatural is what the midichlorians allow the Jedi to do. And if this wasn't the case, then you're essentially retconning what Yoda says about how the force is in all living things, because then everybody potentially would be able to do these things. But they're not, they're not things that can be learned. A lot of them are things that are very coming coming very naturally to a Jedi, so that's why I'm very pro mini chlorian because uh, you know George from the get go had a had a motive about like he made it a thing in the Phantom Menace. He wanted to establish the fact um, not only was it a backstory to the political downfall of the Republic and the Jedi Order and and such and such, but it's also an explanation to. Uh, the prophecy of the chosen one and to how Jedi work and, and how their powers are kind of a thing and, and, and all that. Right. Yeah. So. I think that, and I, I agree. Like, uh, I'm pretty neutral on this particular subject, but I do think that perhaps Lucas, what he wanted to do was, uh, like you said, create some sort of backstory, uh, because we have four, five, six that, by release date came out first and then we have one, two, three, but providing some sort of back, I think it's all part of the backstory between, you know, the chosen one to how he becomes Darth Vader to how Luke gets involved in the picture and tries to bring a, bring a balance to the force at the end of it all. Mm -hmm. And I think is it was just one of his many ways trying to bind the story together. Yeah. Well, it's trying to make sense of it all. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, yeah, you have to think like, from Revenge of the Sith to um, uh, A New Hope, it's a roughly 20-year gap, roughly. So mm -hmm. in Order 66, every Jedi, pretty much all of them are wiped out. Who do we have left at, at this point? We've got Yoda, who doesn't even show up 
till episode five. We've got Obi Wan, we've got Luke, and then we have uh, Darth Vader and Palpatine, of course. But um, there's so many of them left, and only five or six are left in the whole the whole galaxy. Like, of course, there's gonna be you know like a uniqueness, like, a uniqueness. Yeah. Of course, there's gonna be uh, you know s- things that are forgotten or yeah. like, perhaps yeah. not taught because you know it's just so old and like perhaps it's you know what's the Mm -hmm. point of bringing this back because it's you know well and there's there's uh in the last jedi the very last scene do you remember the boy who lifts up that broomstick yes yeah yes so so the argument could be made that like yes there's people out there that would be aware that they have this power but it would be like the real world where it's like they have this power they have no idea what it is and uh you know we were talking about uh this book on the podcast with the Ian, a guest that we had about uh, two weeks ago, and he was talking about this book called Force Collector. And in this book, there's a boy with this power who he doesn't fully understand. He doesn't doesn't know what it is. But whenever he touches an object, he has the ability of psychosis, which if he touches something that has a history, he like of uh, some story to be told, he 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 is able to perceive memories that that object has been through. So kind of like how Ray, when he when she touches the Skywalker saber, that she gets flashbacks of of Luke's battle with Vader on, on Bespin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she sees the future the past and, uh, she gets the, she has the ability to, I, I wouldn't say it's a solid ability, but the force enables her in that moment to, to witness some things. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's people out there with like the ability to use the force, you know, but, uh, again, it's like, it's very, it's very rare, right? Like, it's not like it's every single second person out there that has the ability to use the force. And the only way to uh, how, to come up with a reason for that is this biological connection from their body to the living force, which is the midichlorians. And the midichlorians are what the wills of the force speak to. They're, they're, it's, what, it's what enables them to communicate with you, right? Like that's that's what the midichlorian is, is how Qui-Gon uh, explains it. Um, so like, it's it's almost like how X-Men, it's not that it's believable, but X-Men are a thing because of the X-Gene. And the X-Gene is what gives them their powers, right? So like there's a biological connection between them and their power because of this, right? It's not just this thing that shows up. It's like, oh, you can like shoot lasers out of your eyes. How is that possible? You're just like everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's got to be some sort of reason for that. And it's not just this mystical energy field. It's a biological connection that relates to that mystical energy field. So, um, yeah, it's also if, if like, you know, if, if you uh, if you quiet your mind, you'll 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 what does he Qui-Gon say? You, you'll learn to hear them. The midichlorians, like the wills of the force speaking to you through the midichlorians is that connection is that is that bridge point so something like that yeah and so i'm like super pro midichlorian and i i really wish that we had more of more of that in the in george's sequels he would have gone into that a little bit so yeah anyway do you want to move on to the next one here? yeah uh so the, oh whoops the next one we have on our list here ewoks so many oh whoops ewoks so uh the article says are ewoks cute and furry teddy bear like creatures or vicious carnivores Sure, they helped fight the Empire and serve as a symbol of the many alien races 
oppressed by Palpatine, but they also tried to roast Chewbacca and Han over an open fire and eat them for dinner. Oh, so. dude. Actually, like Ewoks, they're actually kind of terrifying. Like, even though they look like cute little teddy bears, they were legit to about to roast Luke and Han over an open fire. Watch them burn and to a crisp them. and then eat them. Yeah, like, it's true. It's true. Uh, with the stormtrooper helmets, we can only assume that they ate those people as well, and then used their heads to play bongos on them. Yeah, you know, like like. And then C three PO comes in and he sees they see him as a god, yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's almost like. Um, yeah, I'd say they're li- they they're they're like cute and furry, but yeah, they're pretty terrorist. Like yeah, yeah, they're a little terrorist. Yeah, yeah. What's that? What's that moment where um, I'm trying to think of the moment in the. Uh, it's very George Lucas, but if we go to the, I think it's a Caravan of Courage, the Ewoks, <laughs> Star Wars Legends Ewoks movie that was done back in the 80s. You you gave me that on DVD. Yeah. Now, there's a scene in there where the, the kid, the guy, his name's Mace, and he, he sees this little fluffy kind of animal in a, the hole of a tree. And it's this cute little thing. And he's like, oh, look at what's this. And then he kind of sticks his hand in there. And then this like monster like like sucks his arm into the tree and starts like trying to eat his arm or something like that. And um, the Ewoks help him pull out his arm from the tree. But but it's just so George Lucas to have this like this very like cute, cuddly looking thing that's very approachable. But it's actually just a uh, uh, there's a scientific term for this, how you lure in your prey, basically. And then they're more dangerous than they actually look. Um, you know, that's the thing with a lot of things in nature, you know, they, they, they have hidden talents, I guess you could say, or hidden, hidden abilities that make them like very, uh, much more vicious than they actually look or so. It's like a peacock. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. I, I mean, even though it's kind of weird that they do look like teddy bears, but, uh, (laughs) they, I don't know. I think they're kind of cute. Like. Um, I don't have a problem with Ewoks. No, not really. Yeah. Um, um, all right. Stormtroopers the, combat skills. Uh, okay. Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so so precise. The wise Obi-Wan Kenobi led us to believe Stormtroopers were all capable marksmen. Then, for the most part, we see them miss everything and everyone they aim to hit. Um, was Obi-Wan being a crazy old wizard, or was he thinking Stormtroopers would be like the clone troopers he used to fight beside. Um, hmm. That's an interesting one. Uh, I, I, you know, I actually I, love that line. Like, it's just, it just makes Obi-Wan out to be such a liar. Like, yeah. only sto- Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. And then throughout the whole trilogy, they're just missing everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't really know what they were, what he was getting at there with that, honestly. Yeah, um, not. The wise Obi-Wan Kenobi led us to believe Stormtroopers were capable marksmen. And then we see them in combat and it's just a nightmare. But funny funny you say that with that line. Because if you think about it, in the prequels, we we, we see the clones. Uh, mm-hmm. not, not in episode one, of course, but we start to see them in episode two. But throughout the prequels, we kind of notice this reoccurring theme of these... Uh, in particular, the B1 battle droids, how they're just, you know, just... Ma- they're made from scrap parts, put it that way. 
uh, and they're just so dumb. Mm-hmm. Whereas the clone troopers, like they're, you know, they're not skilled assassins. They're not horrible, but you know, they, they've got a good shot kind of thing. And uh, now that I think about it, if you watch, especially you see it a lot in episode four, but in the rest of them, like they're kind of, uh, they're kind of bad shots in the originals. If you think about it, like in episode four, when R2-D2 and C-3PO are walking through this ship. Oh, man. And, and, and they, they, there's like, walk through that there's like six <laughs> or seven clone troopers. They're all That's blasting. That's like my favorite right. scene. And I they, love how they he don't, looks they don't left, land. Yeah. he looks right. And then they're just like shuffling across the yeah. hall. And then it's like, like the you have unbelievable six, scene. Yeah, you have six oh, or seven man. guys that are firing at you, you know, easy, right? Not one of them lands a shot. And C-3PO and R2, they just kind of waddle their way across this battlefield. And bl- they've got blaster shots oh, yeah. going past oh, them yeah. and nothing. It's, and that happens in every movie. And then, the but way. then it, it's like, like, it's just the same thing with the Gene Ocean Arena in Episode 2. Like, you get you get them in the, you know, in the R2 with the whole rescuing of, of and rebuilding of C-3PO's head onto his body again. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, not once do they get shot. And not, not once does a B-1 battle droid come over and start blowing them up. Like, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's really quite funny. Like those two are, are something else, but, but yeah, it's like about this marksman thing. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting, it's all about, you know, the, what it says here, uh, was Obi-Wan being a crazy old wizard or was he thinking stormtroopers would be like clone troopers he used to fight beside Obi-Wan's been stranded on, at least as far as we know, he's been on Tatooine for 20 years. So the last that he saw armor troopers, taking out people or, or, you know, their, their targets was very much truly precise clone troopers, which, which were trained on Kamino extensively. And uh, he had the privilege to fight beside them while they were still serving the Republic. And, uh, you know, he knows the clone troopers, like, you know, we're watching the Clone Wars and, and like, it's pretty obvious, like, Obi-Wan develops a relationship with Cody and with these with these clones. Like he's and they're skilled general. marksmen. And they're very skilled marksmen, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's very likely been on this desert planet too long to know that stormtroopers are not clone troopers. And he was expecting one thing but got exactly. something else. Yeah, so it's yeah. all about, yeah, it's all about your certain point of view, right? Yeah. And yeah. from Obi-Wan's point of view, he's been stranded on this planet for 20 years. Like, he might not know what's going on in the galaxy at this yeah. point. Exactly, He's been yeah. doing his job protecting Luke. So, yeah. yeah, so he's very, you know, I think he's in the right mind to say that, yeah, they're very precise marksmen all, all like because he has no idea what they what they how they fight right um and uh you know from for, for his i guess uh you know to to defend his argument you could say that we don't see any bodies lying around for the stormtroopers it's not like any single one of them died so you know they might not fight very well like they might not shoot accurately enough but he thinks they do uh, because he knew the clones and None of them died. So if they were getting attacked back, they're good enough at their job that not a single one of them is dead there. It's just dead Jawas everywhere. So not that dead Jaw, not that Jawas carry a lot of weapons. They, you know, they they might carry like one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a lot of like immobilizer weapons for droids and stuff. But you know, it'd be enough that they might be able to stun a stormtrooper, and there might be one lying around at least. Yeah. But yeah, or they might have like really like primitive scatter guns which which would blow a 
head off one of them or something like yeah you know you'd expect something right but but no they like they they came in they did their job and then they left yeah so yeah pretty much uh i guess uh yeah i mean with with that one i i i do think that on both sides like there had to have been like clone troopers perhaps not so much (laughs) because if you think about it in episode four five six they're 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 horrible shots they're just horrible we definitely see better marksmanship in the prequels i'd say but definitely there are certain few who get you know they get they get blasted and like they you know but definitely i would say that as far as marksmanship goes it was in my opinion definitely higher in the prequels and it kind of went (laughs) kind of went down (laughs) downhill after uh, after that and next topic topic five uh viewing order so without even reading the article it's obviously gonna be uh, on oh how to how to view these movies. Now, this I think is a very this is another hot topic. Like, I think this is more debatable than the Han versus Greedo. Definitely. I don't, I don't know why yeah. this is fifth on the list. <laughs> this I, to me, this should probably be number one. Yeah. Like, like or close to number one. Let's keep it shorter because we're running out of time for this topic for this uh, article, but. First of all, let, let's have you read it, and then sure. we'll just give our opinion. All right, so the viewing order. With six films and two animated series, how does one decide on viewing order? Many people suggest going in the order of release, so you'd watch the original trilogy, um, the prequel trilogy, Star Wars The Clone Wars, and then Star Wars Rebels. Others suggest leaving out the animated series for the first time viewers and watching the films in chronological order, so one through six, uh, those are far from the only variations. Uh, so, yeah, cool. I mean, what, what, with, what's your opinion on with this? this one? Honestly, man, I just like, off the top of your head, if you were to meet someone who never saw a single piece of Star Wars ever, like we're talking no TV shows, no movies, nothing. Hmm. So, how would you introduce Star Wars to them, and how would you have them watch it? Hmm. Okay. Oh, we're also we're also assuming that they have not heard anything pop culture related to the franchise, so they don't. So they're, they're going so, completely blind. They don't know a single. thing? They don't know a single thing. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> then, <sighs> you know what? I would in that case, I. W- oh, that's a tough one, man. Because there's part of me that wants to say, okay, I would watch them four, five, six, then one, two, three. Reason for that is because you'll see the original releases and you'll see the differences between the movies. And it, the way I see it is when you watch it four, five, six, then one, two, three, you get to see the differences between combat styles. Uh, you get to see, you know, differences in force powers, differences in. Uh, plot and all this stuff you get those differences if you watch them chronologically as well definitely definitely but i'd say like for me as a first time viewer probably probably watch four five six and then one two three now if you're if you're one of those people who wants to make sense of the whole story oh but you're forgetting we have episode seven eight nine solo and rogue one Oh, so we're, yeah. we're, we're not talking about the George saga here. We're talking about all everything. Okay, so if we're talking like, about everything, then yeah, hands down. If if you're just starting this, you know nothing about Star Wars. 
including all the the new movies, I would definitely say you have to, have to, have to watch it in chronological order oh, meaning yeah. one yeah. through episode eight I've, I've always been in that boat yeah, yeah. I've, I've always been a hundred percent chronological and okay first reason being george wants us to watch them chronologically he when he made the phantom menace he's well actually when he made empire strikes back i think it was that he called called them started calling them numerically episode four five six so even back then like it's like yeah these are the the earlier chapters of uh, or no, sorry, was it the VHS releases, I think, maybe? Yeah, um, because know, around was, that time he was filming yeah, Phantom Menace. Yeah, around the time he was planning to do it. So yeah, yeah. It, it's it's at some point though in, in the you know in the in the last uh, century that that he you know planned to have them be uh, so, uh, solidly uh, the middle or the at least his end of uh, of the series. And uh, yet, but when he when he initially planned episode four, he did have like a backdraft outline of the plot points that he ended up using through the prequels. So so like there is and and it's very clear like when you watch the original trilogy, like like how Obi Wan talks to Luke about Vader and such, like there are very solid points uh, that he had written down that he ended up using again in the prequels later on. So. Um, you know, I actually felt like even if we were to only take the six films, I would still say do it chronologically just because, um, A, that's the reason why George would want to watch them. But uh, but B, like, it, it's very important to remember that, um, you know, if you've never seen Star Wars before, you don't know that that Luke is the son of Vader. Uh, but you also don't know that this chosen one slash protagonist person becomes the greatest villain of all time yeah so, so it may be a little it may be a little backwards and it might be a little it'll yeah. probably be harder to piece but it here's together. the here's the here's the yeah. big shock like a lot of people say like oh well then you spoil the moment right you spoil the moment the reveal of luke uh discovering that vader is 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 uh is his father but my argument would be yeah but if you watch them the other way right if you watch them in release order you spoil the fact that this chosen one becomes the biggest baddest guy in the galaxy and like that to me, I think is a bigger reveal. I think I think if you were to watch Harry Potter and then find out by the last movie that Harry Potter turns into Voldemort, like that would be crazy. Like to think that, that and huge, you know, yeah. and then it's like, oh, there's this big time loop, and like he's actually fighting himself or something, right? Like it would be yeah, kind of nuts. Yeah, yeah. So not that that happens. Like, yeah. You know, but um, but it's it's uh, it's just it's just interesting to think about that uh, that you know the bigger reveal might actually be. This this really really good guy who we see as a, a a young innocent boy grow up become a Jedi and and want to free the slaves and and stuff but you slowly see the tragedy of his life take over you see his downfall and you see his full downfall yeah. and it's that very last moment where he's screaming at Obi Wan like just I hate you yeah. you know and that to me is more emotional than any moment that. I think I've ever seen in Star Wars history. Yeah, that's a pretty, that's so, a pretty emotional yeah. scene. Yeah, so definitely. if we were to take the six movies and discard anything else out of the order, I would say it's still chronologically. But but uh, 100% chronologically, if we if we count in the sequels, the spinoffs, uh, especially if we count in the animated series, uh, we also got Mandalorian around the corner. Like there's so much, like you have to do it chronologically. There's no other way to do it. Yeah. Now I will say this. If you are, if you're a fan already and you've seen all the movies and you know what happens, I would suggest, uh, because I did a, a cool comparison about a, a year, close to two years ago, um, 
where I watched, I, I, I had two, two weeks. The first week I watched all the movies, like a movie per day kind of thing. And I just, just the original six. And I, I watched, I started with, uh, one through six. And then the next week I did four, five, six, one, two, three. And I noticed when I did it, four, five, six, one, two, three, I noticed a lot of little, little like Easter eggs in the origin, in the prequels that you wouldn't know what they lead to going into it. For example, like in episode two, when uh, there's a scene where the separatists are speaking with Count Dooku and uh, they're in this building and there's a hologram. Oh, you're talking Death about Star. the Death Star plans. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a hologram of the Death Star You plans. see those again in episode three, though. Definitely. It's but, a progression of plot. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, I went years w- w- watching this scene multiple times, and then I didn't really, like, pay attention to it because, you know, I've, I've seen, I know what the dialogue is, I know what they're going to say, but then I really look into, like, the, the little you know nitty-gritty parts of the of the scene and then you see oh wow i like i didn't even notice that was that watching in the release order or no this was the second week where i watched it four five six one two three yeah release order yeah release order yeah Yeah. okay so watching them chronologically you say you missed less i i would say i missed more like I, i i knew i knew the plot i knew what was going down but these little like hints because if you watch them chronologically you see through the prequels, you see the hologram twice in episode two and then three. And then at the end of episode three, you see the construction of the Death Star. Yes, yes, we we see that. But I'm saying like, particularly that scene, I didn't catch it for yeah. years. Huh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. number six, the prequel trilogy. Let's just skip this one because we're both very pro prequel. And, yes. uh that's and, just, uh, yeah, and I feel like this list, this this blog was actually, when was this made? This was January 14th, 2015. I feel like these days this blog post would probably have number six, say The Last Jedi or the sequels instead of the prequel trilogy. But uh, all that aside, so let's talk about the prequels and the sequels just very briefly. Let's keep this under like three minutes. Um, you know, this is all I have to say. If you're, if you're a solid Star Wars fan, yes, you'll have things that you're less fond of. Uh, but I don't think there's anything debatable about the fact that if you're a fan of anything, you eventually just grow to love it. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's, plain just and it. Simple. that's it. It's plain and simple. Like plain if, you're, if you're a fan of something, you can't just hate half of it. Right. Yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta just embrace it. Pretty it's like, much. it's like, it's like a hockey team or a football team. If you're a fan of their team, you don't give up the moment they lose a game. Like it's, it's, it's just, it's just the way it works. Like, you know, you, you still wear their jersey. You still go. To, you still watch the games. Yeah. Like, like you know, if you're a fan of anything, you just stay with it. You yeah. just stick to it. You just, you just like, okay, that was a bit of a miss for me. I wish that was different. I wish that was a missed opportunity. You know, that was a missed opportunity they could have done differently. Like for me, yeah, I got plenty of those. But, but uh, especially with the sequels. But you know, it, it's not that I. It's not that I hate them. It's just you know, it's it's like it's more or less that I wish they were done a little differently. But uh, I'll still like watch them. I won't not watch them if i'm taking someone through star wars uh, i've definitely come across people who've avoided showing you know their their kids or their their friend or their girlfriend or whatever uh th- these particular films whatever they may be the sequels or the prequels whatever yeah. because they don't like them yeah but it's like hey well i mean hey it's part of the series the big chunk of it too if you leave out a full trilogy like you know, just just do it. Just yeah. if you're a fan of it, just embrace it. Yeah, and that's exactly me with the new ones. I don't like the like 
plain and simple, I do not like the sequels at all, but I still watch them because there's a story to tell and I want to see how they finish it, especially with the ninth episode coming out mm-hmm. on December 19th here. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go see it. Now, here's where the yeah. difference is. If you're a fan of George Lucas, that brings it to a different level. If you're a fan of George Lucas, it brings it to a whole new level of looking upon the sequels, but appreciating his six films. Yeah. Um, that That's a different topic altogether. I feel like if you're a fan of George Lucas, but not Star Wars, then you have every, like, every, uh, every uh, I guess, statement to make about every right to make, you know, something negative about anything star wars that's not made by george lucas but then but uh you know I don't, i've not met a lot of people out there who are so solidly a george lucas fan that they will give up on anything else yeah so. yeah i mean there's there's people on both sides of that fence right mm-hmm. so yeah yeah okay number seven parsecs it's the ship that made the kills around in less than 12 parsecs do you even know what you did that line on solo a parsec is a measure of distance not time fans have been trying to rationalize han's boast for decades is Han lying or is he talking about how he navigated close to black holes to navigate the Millennium Falcon over a shorter distance than a normal route? What Star Wars topics do you like to debate your pins and comms? Okay, so uh, yeah, a parsec is a measure of distance, not not time. I would say the way he says it in the movie makes it sound like time. Because yeah. I remember the first time watching it, like he said it'll do... 12 honor 12 park sex and when i heard that I, like the only thing i could mm-hmm. think of was like you know someone at a drag race doing a quarter mile oh i, yeah. I just did a 10-5 or whatever uh it makes it sound like time but it's just here's uh solo actually really much brings reason to this line oh it does so it's not even a debatable topic anymore oh yeah. But if you were to not like, because you haven't seen Solo, I haven't. No. Um, there's uh, Kessel is a is a planet inside a giant like gas um, uh, cloud of some kind. Okay, and and the only way to navigate that gas cloud is a very particular route. So you watched that Clone Wars episode with Anakin and Ahsoka and Plo Koon when they took on the Malevolence early on in the show, right? Yep. Um, and they took that shortcut across space through the uh uh man what's it called again uh morale morale vow or something i'm blanking on the name of that giant gas cloud but whatever the case is that's where they encountered those big floating you know creatures with the wings um and uh they it used to be an old smuggler's route anakin explained and uh, Plo Kloon f- uh, freaked out when Anakin told them the name over the intercom. And then that's when they encountered the giant beast. Do you remember this? Yeah. Yeah. And they were trying to... Like in the asteroid field? Yeah, uh, no, it, it's through that gas giant. It was like it was like cloudy everywhere. And yeah. So basically the malevolence, that massive ship that yes. Grievous was controlling, yes. Yes. was on its way to destroy the, the medical center ship for the Republic that was looking after all the injured clones. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. Anakin led a strike team uh, across space through a shortcut to reach the medical center before Grievous could get there so that they could destroy the ship. In the meantime, Obi-Wan was chasing Grievous through hyperspace in the massive cruisers to take him from behind. So Anakin's big idea plan was that they would take a shortcut across space through this gas giant to get to where they needed to go. Whereas Grievous and Obi-Wan had to make a multiple hyperspace jumps around it to get to the medical center. So it's like it's like a giant D. If you were to draw a D, 
the the longer way the the longer part of the letter is that big curve. Yeah. But if you were to go right down to to the bottom, it's a shorter distance, right? Yeah. So that's exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. So when Han Solo says it's the ship that made the Kessel run in less than twelve parsecs, he is talking about distance, but he is talking about the distance to uh, like the journey that they had that normally you have to take to Kessel and then to I guess their refueling refueling station or whatever, or to get out of the the Kessel space. Um, he took a very unorthodox route on his way off of Kessel, which enabled him to make that trip in less than 12 parsecs. So it's not actually a debatable topic anymore since the release of that movie, but mm -hmm. uh, it is on that list. So <laughs> that is it. Uh, a seven, I guess it's end up being a six uh, topics uh, that Star Wars fans love to debate. I still think that there's a few more. Oh yeah, there's always a few more. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, I would say so too. Like there's, you know, there's always something. All right. Thanks so much, Diego, for coming back. You're always coming back. So, uh, but yeah, just want to thank you again and uh, make you feel appreciated because uh, this podcast would not be possible uh, without you showing up nearly as much as you do. So thank you so much for coming on again. And thank you to all you who listen on a weekly basis, especially. Uh, your support is very much welcome. And uh, we have not actually had any feedback or questions sent into the Twitter feed or to the email, but uh, uh, there are listeners out there. But uh, we encourage you to get in touch and shoot us your questions at theescapepod at outlook.com or find us on Twitter at SWEscapePodcast. And uh, yeah, shoot us a tweet, uh, share this with your friends. And uh, yeah, we're just trying to get off the ground and, and get the Star Wars chat out on the internet. Uh, just to cover a quick news highlight, Star Wars Ewan McGregor had to lie about playing Obi-Wan again. So there's been a lot of articles, top stories on Google, talking about Ewan McGregor and how he uh, has hated lying all this time about uh, whether or not he's coming back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's obviously been in the talks for a long time. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to quickly touch up on that because I know that's really hot news right now And we didn't actually get around to talking about that today, but uh, yeah, no you and you and you are an awesome guy We are all super excited to have you back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening and may the force be with you